what a nice uh, welcome, and it is good good to be here today. I uh, love all all of you, and Pastor Matt and Katie have become very precious and dear to my heart, and the whole ministerial staff. So we congratulate you and thank you for all of your hard work, all of your labor of love, and the congregation. Without you, none of it would be possible. And uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart this morning and from the Jerseyville campus. We recognize that we are one with you. Amen. We are one church, uh, Life Church X, and growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, uh, I appreciate the introduction this morning, and we have been in the ministry for a lot of years. I've been a Christian for 54 years. And uh, I've been in the ministry for about 47, 48 years uh, in the ministry, uh, serving people and serving Jesus. And uh, I can tell you it's a wonderful, wonderful way to live. It does me good to see all the young people sitting around here this morning, you teenagers. You can do no greater thing with your life than to give your life to Jesus and the sake of God. Um, give yourself to the Holy Spirit, and uh, you'll never be sorry. And um, God will help you with your life. He will be your Lord and your Savior, and uh, he will always be the best friend you've ever had. So I encourage you. Um, I was 18 years old when I accepted the Lord. Got a lot of flack from my friends. They told me I wouldn't last two weeks, and uh, it's been 54 years. Amen. And, uh, the factor that they didn't see or couldn't consider was Jesus himself who enables us through the power of his Holy Spirit to live for the Lord. Now I want to say this morning congratulations to those that have recently received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, to those that have recently been water baptized, and um, those are all just wonderful, wonderful experiences and my wife, I preached uh, this message in Jerseyville last week. I, it may sound funny to you, but I have never preached the same message in one service, like or in two services, like I'm going to do today. We used to have church four times a week and about three-hour services, and I always spoke sun, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, usually Wednesday night, and sometimes Friday night. That was our regular church church. Uh, when I first became a Christian, and it was 69, 1969, the same year my wife and I got married. And uh, I'll tell you, we had some times in the Lord. I can tell you a lot of different experiences. I'll share a couple with you today along the lines of the subject that I want to speak to you about. But um, I just want you to know this morning that Jesus, he is the answer. And uh, as... Um, Guy I was sharing this morning, uh, I was reminded of something that David said. David said, he's the glory and the lifter of my head. And um, your vows, God, are upon me. And I am so glad that the Lord searched me out uh, when I was 18 on a bad road. But the Lord searched me out and revealed his love to me, his Holy Spirit to me. And I gloriously saved me, and uh, I have never been the same since he's came into my heart and life. And I want to talk to you about uh, quite a subject today that's way over my head, but uh, it's fun to talk about anyway. And I want to talk to you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
in our lives. Um, last week, my wife said, you went too long, cut it about half off. So uh, I've tried to uh, cut a little bit off of the message, but um, sometimes the Holy Spirit just takes over and he, we hope he says the things that needs to be said today, because what I have to say is not worth a whole lot, but what God's word says and what the Holy Spirit says is worth a whole bunch in our lives. And I'm just an old country boy, so uh, don't mind my slang sometime. But uh, I love Jesus, and I love God and the Holy Spirit. And I hope today I can say something that will encourage you, refresh you, and uh, just uh, lift you up in the presence of the Lord. Could we just ask the Lord to have his way this morning? Lord Jesus, we lift your name up this morning above everything and Every, everybody and every God, we lift your name high, Jesus. And you said if you be lifted up, you would draw all men unto you. And Lord, oh, how our country and the world needs the name of Jesus to be lifted up, that men can come unto you and learn and grow and receive you that will totally change their lives and our world and our communities. And we ask, Lord, that our churches represented in this fellowship would grow and reach out and touch our communities with the love and the life and the Holy Spirit that you have given us and that we could be wise and be soul winners for the glory of God. Bless this church. Bless the ministries here. Every individual in this house, let them grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. Open my spiritual eyes and my ears today and I pray that this people, we would be an enlightened today by your presence, Lord. Just rain down upon us. Let us receive some of the latter rain today that we may grow in you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The believer has three significant experiences with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say as we start this morning that I think the Holy Spirit sometimes is way underestimated as he is a part of the eternal Godhead. I believe in our churches, we believe in the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, there's only one Holy Ghost. There's many ministries and many administrations of the Holy Spirit, but there's only one. And we basically have three experiences with him and as I'm on that, that, that point, I'd like to say that Paul reveals something in Ephesians chapter 3 to us that is pretty awesome if, if we can see it and glimpse it in the spirit realm. Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus and he said these words. He said, for this cause, I bow my knees to the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named and I would like to suggest to you this morning that the, the Holy Family name is the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Lord, Son, Jesus, Christ, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. And Paul was revealing something, I believe, to the church and to us that's absolutely wonderful if we can get a hold of it. Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Jesus Christ put a face on God. And now we can we could see him and we could behold him as the Son of God. 
So it's, it's, it's quite a thing. As I open the word up to you this morning, I, I trust that you can understand how that everything that Jesus did, he only did it because the Father told him to do it. I want you to think about this. He never did one thing, not one, that his Father didn't tell him to do. And he made it clear, I'm actually going to speak to you this morning out of St. John, the, the uh, last message, the, uh, the sermon that Jesus gave his disciples and to the world before he was to go to the cross and die for our sins. So I believe what he had to say in that last discourse, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, is absolutely of uttermost importance. To, to the disciples and to you and I. And as we break the, those chapters down and just let, let the Holy Spirit and let Jesus open those scriptures up to us, we see that Jesus introduced a new relationship to us with the Father through the Holy Spirit that we had never had before. I mean, he said, look, he said, everything I've said has been what the Father said, but now, because you love me, because you love Jesus, the Father loves you, and all of a sudden, he said, heretofore, have you asked nothing in my name? Jesus said, but now, you're going to ask the Father, you're going to be able to go directly to the Father through my name and ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and he's, because he loves you just like he loved me. Think about it. He loves you just like he loves me. And he's going to reveal to you everything that the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit wants you to know. Everything that Jesus wanted to teach you and wants you to know about his Father and about the uh, eternal God. He said, you're going to, through the Holy Spirit, you're going to begin to understand these things and know these things. He told the disciples, he said, you can't quite bear it now. But he said, when he, the Holy Spirit's come, he's going to open things up to you that you never saw or imagined or dreamed of before. So in these chapters, as we are introduced to the Holy Spirit, I just want to talk to you today about his activity in our life and his ministry in our life and what he has come to do and what kind of a friend you have through the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son. Because remember, the Holy Spirit never talks about himself. He never, he's inconspicuous. He never talks about himself, but he always talks about the Father and the Son, and mostly the Son, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come on, Jesus Christ put a face on God. And he was God manifest in the flesh, there's only one God made up of three beings, if you please, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they are perfectly one. And I just want to say that the Holy Spirit is just as much a part of the Godhead as the Father or the Son is. They're coexistent, co-equal, uh, uh, everything. They are a perfect unity. And I think the best way you can describe the Godhead is by looking at a human being. God's, or Paul said in Romans 1, he said, the things that are made that you can see, by them you clearly understand the Godhead. When you look at me, you see one person, 
But I'm certainly made of three parts, spirit, soul, and body, created in the image and likeness of God. And when, when you look at Jesus Christ, you see Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even they, though they are different, they are perfectly equal and make up one God. Sometimes the oneness people accuse us of having three gods. We don't have three gods. We've only got one God in the person, amen, of the Lord Jesus Christ now. And I want you to think about it. We have three experiences with the Holy Spirit, many more than that, but three main experiences. And the first one is that we're born of the Spirit. And you see all, of, all three of these things in the life of Jesus himself. He was born of the Spirit. He was conceived of the Spirit and born of the Spirit. He was baptized in the Spirit by John. And he had the fullness of the Spirit uh, in his life as he began to go forth and to minister. So we are born of the Spirit. We are baptized in the Spirit. And both of those experiences are a one-time experience. You only get saved once. You can get water baptized more than once, but if it took the first time, you don't ever have to get baptized again. But I've rebaptized many, many people because they haven't been satisfied or happy with their baptism. But really being born again and being water baptized and being, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience. But now then the third part is being filled with the Spirit, which is Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. We're in a success, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Um, so the filling, you can get it on a regular basis. We are to walk in the Spirit. We are to live in the Spirit. And we are to be often filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a wonderful thing when that happens because that's when our altars are filled. That's when people testify about healing and being baptized in the Spirit. And we've had them so drunk in the Spirit. I remember one night a young lady got baptized in the Holy Spirit and her mom and dad wasn't saved. And we took her home about 1.30 in the morning and she couldn't stand, she couldn't walk, and she couldn't quit speaking in tongues. Can you imagine taking her into her mom and dad? Uh, at about 1.30 in the morning. Well, long story short, her mother became a pillar in the church, got saved and filled with the Spirit, and was a great security and an anchor to me for many, many years. And her dad, later in his life, uh, when we moved the, the town, uh, the, the country church from a little town called Nutwood, about 50 peoples and 30 dogs uh, down by the river, uh, we moved from that community building uh, to a church in Jerseyville, and he bought our air, uh, this man, her, her dad, bought our air conditioning, got saved, got baptized, and the Lord did a totally amazing work in his heart and life. So glory to Jesus, what he does in the hearts and the lives of people. And I just want to share with you this morning about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We want to focus in on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know last month Matt taught us on the supernatural power of God. And I know he, he taught you what he taught you because he taught the church in Jerseyville the same thing. So uh, thank God for his word. But I want to introduce to you basically where this experience is explained 
and, and, and began to be pro- prophetically talked about in the Old Testament, three places I quickly draw your attention to. And I don't know if you have screens or if you have any of this, but it's okay if you do or if you don't. Uh, sometimes I don't stay with my screens. But I have one in the back in Jerseyville that I can see so I don't have to look over my shoulder. But we'll try to not butcher this too bad uh, in staying in unison with what's uh, on our screens. But three places in the Old Testament where the baptism is talked about and introduced. The first one is Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Oh, you got one back there. Awesome. Uh, uh, The Holy Spirit's purpose in our lives. And uh, this text... I'm going to put a new heart within you, a new spirit will I put within you, and I'll take the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So the spirit of God comes into our life. We experience him at new birth, but we experience him even more as we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then in Isaiah chapter 28, 11 and 12, he says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people. Yet for all of that, they will not hear me. But he says, this is the rest of whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing that I have. Yet they, the Jews at the time, wouldn't hear him. But we have heard him clearly. And I say that the Holy Spirit is also a rest and a refreshing like nothing else you can compare with the rest that God brings into your soul when he comes in. And then the last Old Testament scripture is Joel chapter 2. And we see this scripture fulfilled um, in Acts 2.16, Peter's great message that he's going to preach. He goes back and quotes Joel in his message and declares, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. And upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit, says the Lord. So it is this text that the apostle Peter uses on the day of Pentecost when he begins to expound the word of God. He goes back to Joel. He quotes this uh, almost word for word. And he says, uh, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in, in answer to their question about what in the world is going on that seems like these people are intoxicated in the middle of the day and uh, we're hearing them speak in 14 languages. People speak in those languages that they do not, they do not know or understand, but it's a verbal miracle And the Holy Spirit is making a grand entrance. Uh, As the Lord told them, remember, go to Jerusalem and tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. So they are just fulfilling his word. So we go to the book of of Acts. In Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come on you. And you shall be witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now here we see this happen in Acts as the New Testament church is born. Okay? The New Testament church is born. And in Acts 2.12, 
There's 120 people in the upper room, Jews. And the Spirit of God falls. Jesus' mother is there. Uh, The disciples are there. And there's many more there. Peter said the number together was about 120. Well, they're all baptized in the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God begins to blow and move upon that congregation of 120 people. And the Spirit of God began to move. All of these languages began to come forth. And I want you to note what they were saying in those languages. They were speaking the wonderful works of God. That's what they were saying as they were speaking and praising and worshiping God. And the Spirit of God fell on that group. And by then, that time, shortly after the 120, there was about 3,000 had gathered And the Spirit of God fell upon those 3,000. And the Bible said, they asked Peter as he began to preach, uh, what what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. What are baptized? Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift. Would you say with me this morning, gift? Yes. Would you say, I receive, I receive the, gift the gift of the Holy Spirit? It's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't buy it. You don't deserve it. You don't plan it. You just simply trust God yes. to do what he said he would do. And as you do, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. So he poured out that. And as he began to pour the Spirit out, it went from the Jews into 3,000. Wouldn't it be something if we had to baptize 3,000 people? Woo! It'd be a lot of work, wouldn't it? But just think about it. That's what's going on here. Buddy, they're having church. And I'm telling you, we have church sometime, and we only get them by the tens or the twenties, sometimes one or two. But every one we get, praise God for that one. Amen? And it went from there, and uh, it went to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Now he's fulfilling the word, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The, The Holy Spirit is going out, and people are being filled and touched and baptized and changed. And then in Acts 10, it went to the Gentiles out beyond uh, Samaria and Judaism. And then finally in Acts 19, and these are all experiences. I'm not going to read all of these because it takes too long. Um, These are all experiences where people had encounters with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll say this this morning that I've seen people get the baptism of the Holy Spirit same time they got saved. I've seen them come up out of the water speaking in tongues. We've seen them get filled at the same time, they were saved and baptized. We, we've seen it, and we've seen many fillings o- over time. But there is no set order on the way these things can happen. And you see that in the Bible. Uh, he said, has he's been water baptized? Well, no, they haven't been baptized yet, but they already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's okay. God can do whatever God wants to do. And the fi- quicker we figure that out, the better off we'll be in our lives because if you ever try to put God in a box in one scripture or a few scriptures or a religious teaching, you're going to get yourself in trouble because uh, 
God works in mysterious ways. And for you and us with our finite brains that are subject to look through a glass darkly and only see things in part, um, God's big. Thank God we serve a God a lot bigger than us and a lot smarter than us. Amen? But you can trust him. Even though you can't figure him out, you can trust him. And the more you trust him, I believe the more you will understand him. Well, when you get through with Acts 4, there's 8,120 people in the church. There's 5,000 more converted at one time. So if the 3,000 don't sound big enough, now they're up to 8,120. I've been in some pretty big churches. I've been in some pretty big meetings. But probably about the biggest meeting I've ever been in is 2,500. I was in a meeting one time in Chicago in the McCormick building with 1,800 men. And they stood and sang, How Great Thou Art. One of the greatest experiences I ever had in my life. I I can't even begin to explain the power of God and the presence of God. And in Portland, Oregon, with an organization called Ministers Fellowship International, we used to go out there every October, and there would be a couple thousand pastors and their wives and missionaries from all over the world. And boy, we had some experience and wonderful times in the Lord with Pastor Dick Iverson and uh, Frank DiMazio and Wendell Smith and a lot of those guys from out in the Northwest. We had some awesome, wonderful times in the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit in our lives is, he's absolutely amazing. And I just want to talk to you now uh, a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. The word is parakletos. Um, Jesus said, I'm going away. He's been with them three and a half years. It'd be like I'm saying, look, Pastor Matt coming in here next Sunday and say, look, folks, I'm leaving. Sorrow would fill your heart, just like it did the disciples. The Bible said sorrow fill their heart. But he said, look, I'm leaving, but I got news for you. I'm going to send you somebody to take my place. So you're not going to be orphans. You're not going to be abandoned. Uh, shortly, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So Jesus was assuring them that he was coming back in the person of the Holy Spirit. He would not be excluded from their lives. He would arrive and Jesus' continuous presence and fellowship would be with them more than he had even before while he was there. The Holy Spirit would care for them, comfort them, support them. He would help them. He would explain things to them greater than they had ever knew before. It would be as though Jesus and the Father hadn't left, but he would be so present with them now that they would see him in a new light. Matter of fact, Jesus kept telling them in this text, a little while and you won't see me, but in a little while you will see me. What did he mean? A little while and you'll see me. 
Well, I'll tell you right now, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you begin to trust him and allow him to, you're going to see Jesus more clear than you've ever saw him in your life. You're going to see the Father more clear than you ever saw him in your life. You're going to see God in a whole new light. And this is basically what Jesus was saying. And he said, it's very expedient. King James said, it's important for you that I go away because if I don't go, he can't come. But when I go, the spirit that comes out of the Father that has been governing my life forever, even before the foundation of the world, when I was one with the Father, but he said, now I'm in the world and it's the Holy Spirit uh, that's always been governing my life. And now because of my experience with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you what he's going to do in your lives. That's what he was saying. So he began to expound to them how that he was going to unfold the Holy Spirit to them. And the word parakletos, four times uh, mentioned comforter in John 14, 16, in verse 26 of John 14. John 15, 26, and John 16, 7, he makes reference to the comfort or the parakletos that's coming, the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's definition, and, I, and I've got quite a few of them this morning. One who is called alongside to help you when you need help and cannot help yourself. How many of you have been in a place where you can't help yourself? I've been there many, many, many times that, uh, you know, I just, what are you going to do? Call on the Lord and ask God to please intervene and please help. In July 4th, 2003, my wife and family rushed me to the hospital and the doctor told my wife I had four hours to live. Um, they did some serious praying. They called in my pastor at the time and uh, he came in and prayed with my family and my wife was in shock and she said if it wouldn't have been for some family friends she would have passed out. But the doctor did a small incision in my stomach and I had a lot of adhesions from previous surgeries from my colon rupturing. And then I get, the doctor gave me 20% chance to live. And that was in 1997. This was in 2003. I'd had several surgeries after that. And the doctor just did a small incision in the hospital and that's when he told my family I wasn't going to live. He sewed me back up put me back in the hospital bed. And when I came to, my daughter was sitting at the foot of my bed and uh, I had a conversation with her and I got started getting better every day. Really, the doctor didn't do anything. But I started getting better every day and I walked the halls and I said, Lord, I'm gonna remind you that you gave Hezekiah 15 years more. And I said, I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm ready to go. As a matter of fact, I told my family, look, I'm ready to go meet with Jesus. It sounds pretty good, like a pretty good idea to me. And of course, my family had a fit. They said, no, you ain't going yet. And I said, okay. So I would walk the halls and pray and remind God of his word. And uh, the Lord touched me and healed me. And um, I've had a couple episodes since then, but it's been a lot of years. And I say that to tell you that God is good, and he knows how to take care of us. Amen? And um, the, the, the Holy Spirit, he's an advocate. 
He's a helper. He's a spokesman. He's a lawyer. Better than any lawyer you'll ever have. And he pleads on our behalf. And he's in heaven now, seated at the right hand of God as our high priest making intercession for us. So since Jesus left, we have two high power attorneys. We have Jesus in heaven and we have the Holy Spirit in us on earth as believers. I want you to think about this. Think about how much better it is that Jesus is in heaven, the Holy Spirit here. If Jesus was on earth today, there'd be a line all the way around the world backed up to see him. And people like you and I never get to see him because the dignitaries and people that had money for transportation would be able to go over to Bethlehem and see Jesus. But he's in heaven making intercession for every one of us. But the Holy Spirit has come as his representative and his advocate to live inside of us and to be with us. He said, I'll no longer be with you, but I'll be in you. And besides that, he said, I'm going to manifest myself to you. And I and the Father are going to make, take up our abode in you. We're going to literally live in you. So you're going to know God and you're going to experience this paraclete. Now, I heard a new song in Jerseyville last week. It was called Champion. Have you done it down here yet? Ah, I was tickled. It was an awesome song. It's called Champion. Well, the Holy Spirit is called Champion, Representative. A paraclete is like an intimate friend who acts as a personal advisor, a special consultant, um, a private assistant in your life. Now, Jesus could only be in one place at a time, but the Holy Spirit could be universal. He can be in China this morning. He can be in Russia. He can be here in our church and every one of us this morning. He can be all over the world and there can be all kinds of prayer. And you know, in John 14, 12, when he said these works and greater works shall you do because I go to my Father? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you and the very work that Jesus did, not greater, you can't do much more than raise the dead. Heal the leper, open the eyes of the blind, you can't do much more than that. But we can see those things in a much broader basis all over the world because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Don't you love him this morning? I want to just share some different things that he does in our lives and talk to you a little bit more about Comforter and Paraclete. Um, we've talked about the power and if uh, Paul also not only re revealed the Godhead in Ephesians 3, where I was quoting from earlier, but in, in 20, Ephesians 3.20, a verse that you're very familiar with, he talks about how that God is able to do abundantly, exceedingly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. And he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you you are introduced to the miracle world and the supernatural world as Pastor Matt was preaching. And he comes forth with an abundance in our lives, with a power, with a dynamo, uh, an authority and an ability in the spirit realm. With great grace, the Bible said in Acts 4.33, the disciples 
witnessed and spoke about the greatness of Jesus with great boldness in, in great grace. How many of you know grace is a wonderful thing in our lives? Uh, it's the, I like the definition of grace, the divine enablement of God upon our lives. The God enablement. God enabling us to witness for him, to share the gospel for him, to share our testimony with him to those that don't know the Lord. And this is one of the main purposes to extend and expand the ministry of Jesus in the earth through the Holy Spirit. The Lord spoke of Jesus, uh, or, or the, the apostle spoke of Jesus in Acts 10, 38, that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So you and I, we have this ministry now that we go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Amen. We do that through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing I point I make a power. The second is comforter. And I want to say a little bit more about comforter before I move on in the message. In Wycliffe's day, one of our um, forefathers in the gospel, uh, the Latin word for comforter was fortis. And it means brave comforter, one who fills men with courage and strength. The Greek word literally means a God at hand or by one side, sufficient for every occasion and emergency that arises. I've experienced in 48 years of ministry, 58 years living for the Lord, I've seen lots of emergencies. Been in lots of intensive care units, uh, lockdown units, teenagers ODing units, um, funeral homes and parlors and homes. Um, some of the most tragic accidents you can imagine. But you know what? The comforter, the parakletos, has always been there. And always gives words. Always gives spiritual nurture and life and love through our vessels as we just allow him and let him do in us and through us what he wants to do. The Holy Spirit is God for everything. God at hand and all that arises, all circumstances, and he's equal to all demands. English words translated parakletos. Take the one you like out of the list. He's my helper, my counselor. He's my advocate. He's my friend. He's my encourager, my consoler. He's the intercessor, the strengthener, and the standby. He's the upholder, the defender, the champion. He's the vindicator, the promoter, the endorser. He's the sponsor, the favorer, the maintainer, the sustainer, and the supporter. And if you want me to, I can probably come up with a little bit more. How wonderful the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And I want to just get into John now a little bit and talk to you about what else the Bible says the Comforter does in our lives. In John 14, 26, there's three promises of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is he'll comfort you, but he'll teach you all things. 
Everything you need to know from the Father and the Son is in the Holy Spirit. And don't ever think that God's going to withhold from you, but everything God desires to reveal to you and to show you, he absolutely will show you in his timing. He will absolutely teach you all those things that he talked about to the disciples when he told them you can't bear them now, but you're going to be able to pretty soon because of the teacher, the master teacher. And he said, he's not only going to teach you things to come, you're not only going to be able to learn and understand truths and things about me that you never saw, but I'm just going to take you so far that it's going to kind of boggle your mind. I just touch on one thing this morning, financial freedom. When I got saved, I was poor. My family was poor. My dad raised nine kids on a minimum wage job. And if it wouldn't have been for a garden and a pig or a few chickens, we'd have starved. But we always had enough and God provided. And I was never taught, I I thought I knew everything and quit high school my sophomore year and went to work. I hated school, God help me. (laughs) But uh, later I got a degree in Bible studies and did go back to school when I was about 38 years old. <laughs> so young people go to school, get, get a good education, learn things. And the Holy Spirit is able to teach you things that, about finances. As I began to apply the principles of God in my life on finances, and of course, as you've been taught, the first one's tithing and acknowledging that God owns everything. It wasn't very many years I was able to pay cash for my cars. And then it wasn't too many years I was able to pay cash for my house. You know what a wonderful feeling it is to be able to write a check for your home? And it's all because of the principles I learned from God's word on finances and and managing money. So I tell you this morning... These, the, the teachings in God's word. I remember right after I got married and I got, my dad had to sign for me to get married. I was so young. and go to the courthouse. My wife and my dad went to the courthouse and, and they thought it was funny. The clerk thought my wife and my dad were getting married. My dad got the biggest kick out of that. He laughed about it for years. But I was 18 and my wife was 20. And in 1969 in the state of Illinois, you couldn't get married until you was 21 without a signature. So I had to get, get a signature from my dad and mom to get married. Another story, if I had time to tell you, it's funny about how I told my mom we'd get married in her church. And my wife was a backslid Catholic, if there is such a thing. And I was a backslid Pentecostal boy. I was 18 and she is 20 and we promised my mom, my mom made me do this. She said, if you want our pastor to marry you, they had the leverage on me. She said, you got to come to church two weeks. Well, I didn't know they had four or five service a week and they'd be in revival for 14 days straight. Long story short, both my wife and I got converted in that two weeks and we've been in the church ever since. Well, I'm telling you, God, God can teach you and you can learn things. I remember right after I got married, I, I, I got on my knees before the Lord. Because, you know, it'll take very long after you're married to start having trouble with your wife. <laughs> How many of you men know that? 
Well, I was having trouble. So you know what? I got on my knees and I said, God, look, I'm in trouble here. I'm way over my head and out of my limit here. Would you please show me how to love my wife? And I'm going to tell you right now, there's one verse of scripture in Ephesians 5 that says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You talk about a mouthful. Just think about it. Husbands, love your wives just like Jesus loved his church. And men, if you will start loving your wife like Jesus loved your church, she'll also call you Lord like Abraham. Sarah did Abraham after a while. Now, after 50, the first 10 years of our marriage was pretty rough. But the last 44 years has been like heaven on earth. And I tell you this morning, my wife's not with me. She, the 27th of last month, had brain stimulus surgery for Parkinson's. It was her second surgery. And uh, she wasn't up to doing a seven-hour thing today. So she couldn't be with me, but it really... It really hurt her that she couldn't be here today, but I say hi on behalf of my wife. So I just want you to understand what it means for the Lord to teach us about life, about God and the things of God. It's so precious. And then I'm going to go through these pretty quick because I want to have time for prayer today. He, he reminds us of what Jesus said. Everything that Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is a remembrance or a reminder and then I go to John 16 for three more promises. And uh, if, you, if you're keeping notes, one is power, two is comforter, three is teacher, four is provides us with everything Jesus said. Five, six, seven, and eight is in John 16, 13, and 14. He will guide you into all truth. We've talked about it. He will show you things to come. He will glorify Christ. How many of you love the way praise and worship has progressed in the church? Don't you love the new songs? Don't you love the new sound? Look, when I got saved, all we ever did was sing out of a hymnal. I remember the day a pastor, a missionary from Mexico came in and said, I'm going to teach you something new today. We're going to sing out of our Bibles. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situations, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of our great king. And I remember that was the first time we sang out of our Bibles. And then it went to spiritual courses. How many of you remember courses? Oh yeah, the courses we sing. I surrender all. I surrender all. And then it was uh, the spiritual songs began to come. And then new songs began to come. New music, more instruments in the house of the Lord came forth. Uh, I remember when I first got saved, you know, the only instrument in the church guy was an organ. And you, God forbid you to have drums, brother, on the platform. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. But we've seen the progression of God in all of those things, uh, restoring and blessing. And I tell you how much more we've got to go before Jesus comes. I don't know, but we're just blessed to be in on it. And it'll be great as God restores and reveals. So he guides, he shows, he glorifies in eight. He takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us.
He reveals the things of Christ and shows them to us. And I'm going to kind of bring this to a halt. I've got 15 points and we're on point seven. So we'll quit there. But I want to tell, tell you something about show you things to come. Two testimonies I'll share with you that I experienced in my life. Number one was we was in that little community building in Nutwood. Most of you probably don't even know where Nutwood, Illinois is. Uh, after the flood of 93, the church was totally wiped out and gone. And there was about eight or nine feet of water over that whole town. So it's instead of 100 people, it's probably about 50 now. And uh, the little church is gone, but we was in that church on one Sunday morning in about 1972 or three. I don't remember exactly, but we had a spirit-filled Baptist named Stephen Battles. Anybody here ever hear of Steve Battles? A few hands back there. Well, Steve was preaching that morning, and Brother Magus, my pastor, uh, A.J. Magus, he was just Pentecostal, saved in an all-black church. His family was the only white, white family in the church. So uh, he was uh, quite a, a wonderful pastor, Pastor Magus was, but very Pentecostal. Brother Battles was preaching that morning, and his wife, about in the middle of the service, died. Died. And we're about a half hour from... Um, an ambulance, at least a half hour at that time. So we gathered around her and um, prayed for her. And uh, she had no breath. She had no life in her body. In about 20 minutes, of course, we were waiting on the, uh, the ambulance and uh, just praying and worshiping God. And she coughed and came back to life. Stood up, healed by the power of God, and lived 40 or 50 years more. I was there. I experienced that. And, of course, I was about 19 years old, and uh, it had quite an impression on me. But we saw a lot of healings in those days, a lot of miracles, and a lot of the supernatural. In one other event that I went through, I was working on as a carpenter. I'm a carpenter by trade as well, uh, mostly a pastor, but a carpenter uh, on the side. And I was working on a Quonset building about 35 feet tall, tied off on one side with a rope hanging down one side of the building. And the guy who was supposed to be watching my rope uh, got to chasing some 1,000-pound, 1,200-pound steers around down below me. And that rope was tied right across an alleyway. And one of those steers jogging ran up through there and caught my rope on his chest under his head. Pulled me up over that roof. It's about 35 feet tall, all the way down the other side. Well, I came out of that. It could have really broke me up bad because there was two real heavy fences. And I landed right in between them in cow manure, about so thick. Kind of cushioned my fall, sprained my ankle. But what I want to tell you, my wife's at home taking a nap. And in her sleep, she sees this and starts interceding for me in, in prayer in her sleep. So she asked me quick as I got home that day, she said, what happened to you today? And I told her and she said, well, the Lord had me interceding for you in my dream while you was experiencing that and going through that. And I said, thank God. 
because I could, I could have been killed or hurt very seriously through that incident. So I'm here to tell you God's good. Amen. And uh, we want to invite you this morning, if you have a need, if you need 